Welcome to Philly Coco Presents Side Project Spotlight, Episode 25. This is the developer's journey into making cool stuff. We are your tag team partners in your developer cage match. I'm Kotaro, and we are Philly Coco, a Philadelphia-based Coco Heads community focused on Apple development. That primarily, but not exclusively, means iOS, Mac, tvOS, and watchOS development. Philly Coco's true desire is to take you higher on your own developer journey. Okay, well, today, unfortunately, the way the schedule is of recording and Labor Day happening, Labor Day weekend happening, our schedule's all over the place. So it'll just be me today, probably trying to stall for time. (laughs) Well, there is a topic to be discussed, though. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this topic was because in the past at Philly Coco, we've gotten a lot of people coming in and asking how do they go for where they're currently at as a developer to becoming an iOS developer. And it happens often enough that we've almost gotten pretty good about how we generally respond to it. And it's always dependent on where the, the person is on their journey. So in the case of some people who have no developer experience, a lot of times it can be very tough to get started. They have a lot of aspirations, a lot of ideas, and it's really tough if they don't have the foundations. So where do they start with the foundations? A lot of times they might think about doing a boot camp or if they're past the college phase, which a good chunk of them generally are, and maybe they don't have the money or the resources to do a boot camp or to go to college, you know, the question arises, well, how do I start there? Which it's tough because there are a lot of really good free resources uh, out there and it's kind of hard to understand where to start, which there are some very good tutorials from a site called Ray Winderlich, R-A-Y-W-E-N-D-E-R-L-I-C-H.com, which is a long-winded URL, but that's one that I find to have a very good list of options for you in terms of written tutorials that are targeted to the very beginner to the very advanced. So usually it's a very good way to get, and they have a lot of free articles, uh, written articles that you can read and kind of get yourself ramped up to and the paid um, subscription plans is maybe about at this point close to three hundred dollars but there are tiers uh, so some and they offer like video tutorials as well which i also find a lot of younger generations tend to gravitate towards the other option is youtube videos ios tutorials usually are like tips and tricks or like one-offs they're very it's very hard to find ones that are just target to beginner beginners. A lot of times uh, to make an app, you should want to do it in Swift. And probably at this point, you probably want to do it in Swift UI, since I think that's a lot easier. But you also want to know the traditional style of, of coding in UIKit. So later on, so you can get an understanding sometimes that you you can start off with Swift UI as your base, but then move move sort of deeper into the layers um, if you need to address a specific framework, for example, Pencil Kit. There's no direct way to, to work with that in SwiftUI. You have to go into UIKit. That's a little more complica- convoluted way of saying there are layers of how you you might have to approach starting. The other foundational stuff that you would have to know is Swift as a language, which I find to be much more 
comfortable to start out with learning versus something like Objective C, and that's challenging because you still have to deal with a lot of Objective C frameworks. So you might deal with a lot of Objective Cs for VAS sort of language. It's verbosity, so to speak. But again, that's getting too deep in the woods. You can start with Swift, learn that language from the foundation up. Watch a few basic uh, videos, if you want, of how to start a project. Uh, Xcode, the IDE for which you do a lot of your uh, iOS development, has a lot of really simple and straightforward templates you can just sort of start off with and then play around with. I think that's actually one of the easier ways to start. For people who have some developer experience, like web-based experience, especially if you come from a React Native background, it's actually a lot easier, at least I think it is, for you to start with SwiftUI and then go into UIKit, learn UIKit sort of later. I mean, over time, that might not be as as necessary, but it'll probably be necessary to understand UIKit for at least the next four to five years, maybe longer, most likely. So that's kind of where I see that being roadblocks for aspiring developers. One of the interesting things, kind of getting into how I personally got into iOS development, actually started before the iOS SDK had come out, and... That was a, you know, that was when web was hot. And when the SDK had first come out, it was all Objective-C. And it was a very, very tough language to get into, you know. So I came from understanding C-sharp and PHP and kind of sort of those web-based technologies. And doing a lot of Objective-C was just a lot of long days of just trying to write out, trying to understand what any of these patterns meant, whether it be delegates or protocols or alloc and dealloc, the way you would have to prefix everything with a um, with an at sign and just sort of the weird syntax that Objective-C had, had, you had to write your code in was a little all over the place. So I think it was one of those things where I remember... When I was working, I had to make sure that I <laughs> spent my lunch hours just playing around with Objective-C. That was during the period of time where there was this trend of bring your own device to work kind of trend, where like if your company didn't support Macs, you kind of just brought your own in and uh, your own laptop in and just be like, you know what, my company won't supply me with a Mac, so I'll just bring my own. No big deal. And I would work on little mini projects, little side projects, if you will during lunchtime and during like off hours. Eventually what ended up happening, there was an opportunity, an API that nobody was using that would allow me to access just the basic, you know, contact list of relevant employees that I would want to have on my fingertips set all the time. All the time. And so that would be just a very very basic app. When I had built it and then I showed it off internally to my team and my my director, that alone just blew them away of like the possibility, right? They wouldn't even think that it was possible. And you know, and of course, this was one of those weird corporate jobs where like innovation was like not a feature; <laughs> it was not encouraged. And then I remember taking that as a stepping stone for another project that I would work on, which would be much more like filling out a survey. And then another project, which would be like doing voice recording and storing that in the back end and communicating with back ends. 
when I was home, I would work on small projects, go very complicated calculator that was only relevant for my needs. And that's another thing to consider is like finding these opportunities to build a project that serves an audience of one. And that audience of one is basically you. There are a lot of opportunities to sort of take that and build on your skills there, which I think is part of the path that you as a developer have to take and it's the ownership on you as a developer to constantly be looking to improve over time technology moves fast and you kind of have to keep up with whatever is new and not a lot of people like to hear that because you know they're kind of focused on getting to the end goal which is a lot of cases getting a job uh, an ios job at a big company and, you know, that's a valid reason to want it. The salary is good, and usually you're working on something relatively exciting. But the journey can be long for some people. Everyone's path is a little different in terms of how long it will take that person to, to kind of pick things up, especially if you're not coming from a developer background. It could take you, even with a lot of diligence and know-how, could take you up to two years just because of just the breadth of things that you would have to know and the sort of the battle scars that you would have to get, you know, and that's, you know, that's the thing. It's like there are a, a lot of times you will have to learn these battle scars and you have a lot of frustrating nights and you don't have a stack overflow to depend on. You don't have colleagues to lean on or to come in and save you. You just have to do it and you have to power through and there, there are going to be a lot of moments like that. For me, I could do a better job personally of asking for help when there's a complicated problem, sort of whiteboard it with some colleagues. That's actually a good way to improve because getting different perspectives about your code or code in general will help you improve over time as well. So reading a lot of other code styles, uh, other patterns, uh, whether it be MVVM, coordinator pattern, Viper, you know, you might not necessarily agree with them. You might not necessarily want to incorporate them in your style. I've seen a lot of Frankenstein <laughs> projects where like, it'll be a little bit of coordinator meets Viper or like it'll be Viper for some reason without the R. <laughs> it would be a lot of different patterns. And sometimes they're just patterns for pattern's sake versus like patterns that fit the solution to the problem or patterns where you might try to do something that is trendy, for example, putting all the major features in a framework and then trying to build the entire app that way, which is, for the most part, fine, but it could also lead to uh, one level, one layer of complexity that, you know, for anybody who, who's new that comes in, who reads your code, is like, uh, where do I even start? So that was another thing that, over time, I've personally had always favored the idea of simplicity keep it very simple even if some on some cases you might get repetitive if it's readable that's what's important so i think learning to make readable code is also a good skill to learn and understand and so when you read other people's code <laughs> learning to almost like once you get a bit good about reading code you also get good about reading styles and interpreting code that sometimes might look a little bit overly complex that is my sort of like long-winded sort of navigating through this point of view about how you can start on an ios journey as well as improve over time 
on your iOS journey. And the other challenge is sometimes it might just not be for you. There's a fair point to, uh, to say, I don't like iOS development or I don't like where the company's going. I can personally say, for example, I like to do game development and the majority of my games was done in, in the Unity engine. But given that the current direction of the, where the company's going, where the priority isn't making games and making a game engine, you know, I've personally begun to start to think about gravitating to an open source engine like Godot, where the language is C sharp, but they encourage something called GD Script, right? Which is much more of a Python esque type of language, neither of which I've had any current experience on. So I don't know any of the modern styles of C sharp, for example. And so it would almost be like getting back on the bike after 20 years of not riding that bike. But it's almost like, you know, in that sense, it's almost like being a child again. And I think that's actually a good thing because you know, it gives you the opportunity to grow, to learn something new, something exciting, to get you, you know, your juices flowing, to get your, your mind learning a different sort of approach to development. I think one of the things that I appreciated when I went to uh, Art Institute part-time is my animation major had said I needed to make a choice. You know, I could continue on the 2D animation track, which is probably where my skills are better suited for, or I can go on a 3D modeling animation track. But I had to pick one. And I decided to pick the 3D modeling one because it was sort of a path on, you know, sort of unwalked, on un, un, path unexplored. And I wanted to get good at 3D. The interesting thing about that is that that was... <laughs> That was really hard, I have to say. Everything about 3D is hard, almost in the same way that iOS development is a trial by fire, at least before for sure, when I first started developing. Whether it was provision hell, whether it was layouts, wrangling with storyboard and, <laughs> and its auto layout system, wrangling with all sorts of things with Objective-C's deployment, especially when you had to do the um, app reviews that would take seven days. You had to time everything just right to release just on time. And it was always like biting nails when you used to do that. When I go back and I say, okay, when I was doing 3D and just struggling, you know, night and day, it did sort of rewire me in a lot of ways to understand and appreciate 3D in a lot more nuanced fashion, you know, and take advantage of its power, you know. So before, you know, if I was to do a comic book in the backgrounds, I would dread doing backgrounds because you had to do perspective lines, right? And so then I would cheat <laughs> a little bit if I, and I would just put a 3D model in place to just be the placeholder, you know, get the right camera angles, get a stock building to like work in and then just color, color over it. You know, you kind of sort of faked <laughs> the uh, the perspective that way, but it would give you at least decent guidelines or decent um, placeholders to work on, work over. And so you could take advantage of that new skill that you, you've developed. And I think a lot of ways that's part of the learning process for, you know, slowly building over time. And then in some ways, learning 3D helped me understand AR a lot better. So now when I work on an AR project, a lot of the terminologies isn't so foreign for me when you were talking about uh, vector uh, positions and that kind of stuff. So I guess that's a long-winded way of saying you have to keep learning, keep growing, and it doesn't necessarily have to be around development, but it 
it's definitely not something where you should consider it a destination. It's always going to be a journey. As long as you're a developer, you will always be learning. You always have to try to get better, especially if you want to continue this iOS journey. And you know, I know this this is all common sense in a lot of ways, but I think sometimes you sort of have to remind the aspiring developers, like you know, even once you hit this level. There's still levels that you need to go, and you need to like keep working on that. That is all I have to sort of stall for time, if you will. In terms of what's uh, next, Steve and Aaron will be back for our next stop. It gives us a chance to reset. Uh, we've been kind of haphazard in terms of recording time, so I, hopefully we can get ourselves back in there. For now, that's it. You can learn more about Philicoco at philicoco.org. There you'll find links to our Slack, meetup schedule, and contact info. If you're feeling generous, please leave a review on iTunes and share us with all your developer friends. And one more thing. Two bytes meet. The first byte asks, are you ill? The second byte replies, no, just feeling a bit off. <laughs> Till next time, good luck on your own developer journey. We're cheer for you always. Always.